today on Anchored in the Word. The Bible is, I'm going to tell you something, it's right in your face. It tells you about a lot about the universe, the Bible does, about how, what things, it, it makes sense of the universe, where it came from, where it's going, what's going on out there, why are all these things working the way that they're working? The Bible, if we go through it all, will show us a lot of these things that people, the world is looking at as mysteries or they're misinformed and they've got wrong reasons for the way things happen, but we're going to look at a church that's suffering severe persecution. This is Anchored in the Word, the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Coastlands in Eatontown, New Jersey, with our pastor and teacher, Bill Beckelman. Pastor Bill begins a new and informative series in the book of 2 Thessalonians today. Pastor Bill teaches us that when the Apostle Paul wrote this epistle, Thessalonica was enduring intense persecution. As we study Paul's letter, we will begin to get a behind-the-scenes peek into what was happening on a spiritual level in this church and God's purpose for their suffering. At the close of Pastor Bill's message, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Anchored in the Word. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. Now, here's Pastor Bill with today's edition of Anchored in the Word. So good to see you. Would you open your Bibles with me? to the book of 2 Thessalonians this morning. We're starting a new book of the Bible. Anybody here at Calvary Chapel for the first time today, put your hand up. Don't worry, I'm not going to make you. God bless you. Welcome. Um, just to let you know that um, the norm here is that we go through the Bible, through the whole Bible. Don't worry, not this morning. We're not going to go through the whole Bible. But eventually, if the Lord tarries, and if um, enough time goes by, we will go through the whole Bible if you stay around long enough at Calvary Chapel. And um, now we're in 2 Thessalonians, and yes, we go through everything, and that covers everything in the Bible. The world needs to know who the Lord is, and we know from the revelation of His Son, Jesus, found in the Word of God. So this morning, as we look at the second epistle to the Thessalonians, we're going to look at the first chapter, verses 1 through 12, the whole first chapter of 2 Thessalonians. Just briefly, this is a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul, the second letter to the Thessalonians, probably the second letter that Paul wrote that we see in the Bible anyway, probably a year after the first one was written. You know, people differ on that a little bit, but probably 1 Thessalonians was the first epistle that Paul penned um, that we have in the Word, and then this one being the second, about a year later. And um, we know that it was written to the church in Thessalonica, a church that he planted. We know that from the Acts chapter 17, we've been there in the previous time in the Bible. It tells the account of Paul's missionary journey when he went to Thessalonica. Thessalonica. And he was there for three weeks, and it gives an account there. He was preaching every Saturday, every Sabbath, he was preaching in the synagogue. 
a radical message. It was radical then. It would be just as radical today if we went and preached in a synagogue the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as a result of that three weeks, a couple of things happened of that three weeks of preaching. One, some people got saved. Some people came to the Lord. There was a church planted. And two, Paul had to leave town quickly. Quickly. Why? Because not everybody received the message. It was an offense to some. So much so that they wanted to kill him. Can you imagine? Wanted to kill a good Jewish boy like Paul who had been a good Jewish boy up until that time and now he'd found the Messiah and he was just wanting to share that with people. And they wanted to kill him. So he left town, it tells us that. And this church was planted in three weeks. And I can't even imagine having three Sunday services of people that just came to Christ or whatever and saying, see you later, folks. But, you know, I'll tell you something. God is faithful. You know, that's our hope, by the way, that God is faithful. He's the one that's the head of the church. He's going to keep his people. Now, Paul had a place in this in that he wrote letters and sent people to go and visit to encourage the church. Why did they need encouragement? Why did they need encouragement? Because being a Christian in the first century is akin probably to being a Christian in China today. Not so much here in America. It's, it's a lot easier to be a Christian in America because we have laws to protect our religious uh, doings, right? We have a constitution that protects our freedoms. That it, One of those freedoms is that was very important to our forefathers was the freedom to religion, to worship as we wish. As long as we don't hurt other people, we don't injure other people, we're free to exercise our religion in America. So we praise God for that, for those protections. They're there today. They're in place today. That doesn't mean they're going to be there tomorrow. So enjoy them today. We have them today. So we have a form of persecution, but nothing like they had in Thessalonica. Nothing like they're experiencing even in other places around the world today. Do you know that there have been people that have died for their faith throughout time? The first century it happened. We see it in the Bible. The first person that died for this whole movement, this Christianity, is Christ. Christ. He was the example. He's the one. And he told his followers, and I'm sure Paul passed this on to them. We need to hear this. You need to hear this as a Christian. If you're not a Christian today, I want to give you the full picture of what it means to be a Christian. And hope you choose to become one if you're not one today. But the truth of the matter is, this is what Jesus said. This is what Jesus said in John 15. He said, starting in verse 20, Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. That's a promise. It's not a maybe. If you're walking with Jesus, if your light's not under a basket, if you're not lukewarm, by the way, that's not good, lukewarm. Jesus said he spits you out of his mouth if you're, not, you're neither cold nor hot. If you're walking with Jesus, you will suffer persecution in one way, shape, form, or another, even in America. Even in America. It's a promise. So as you look at this church in the first century, this book of 2 Thessalonians, written by the Apostle Paul, I want us to keep in mind that what we'll see is kind of behind the scenes. You know, I, I, as whenever, you know, I used to be a movie buff and all that, and I love the behind the scenes stuff, you know? how the thing was made, how they did certain things. I'm not alone, I'm not alone in that, but not everybody gets into that kind of stuff. They have this, the sight and sound theater there in Pennsylvania. 
and I've been to a couple of the productions, and I, I want to go and go to the behind the scenes. They have that. They show you how they do all this stuff and all the you know, different things behind the scenes. I like that. It's exciting to me to see how things are done. In a sense, this morning, as we look at 2 Thessalonians, we're going to get a behind-the-scenes look at things that the world doesn't understand. Because there are people that say, they ask the question, well, if there's a loving God, why does this happen and why does that happen? I'm going to tell you that there's always a reason for everything under heaven. God doesn't always give us all the reasons, but this morning what we're going to see is a behind-the-scenes look at why persecution happens. There's a lot of reasons for it. It's purposeful in God's sight. And it will stop someday. It will end someday. God gives us a behind-the-scenes look at that. The Bible is, I'm going to tell you something, it's right in your face. It tells you about a lot about the universe, the Bible does, about how, what things, it, it makes sense of the universe, where it came from, where it's going, what's going on out there, why are all these things working the way that they're working? The Bible, if we go through it all, will show us a lot of these things that people, the world is looking at as mysteries or they're misinformed and they've got wrong reasons for the way things happen. But we're going to look at a church that's suffering severe persecution. Severe. In those days, it was dangerous to be a Christian. They probably didn't have people that showed up in church that really weren't Christians. They weren't there just to hear some good music or get a good feeling or anything like that. Their lives were on the line in the first century if you were a Christian. But God used it all. You know, it tells us in the book of Acts, when the persecution came, that's how the gospel got spread. People had to leave town, and they went to different places, and they couldn't help but talk about Jesus, and that's how the gospel got spread around the world. God had a purpose in all that. Now, as we get back to the church in Thessalonica, we see the greeting that Paul has in the first couple of verses. Let's pick it up in verse 1. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy... You see, you guys were in ministry together. Paul the Apostle, Silvanus, Silas is another, is another name for him, and Timothy. They're in ministry together. These three guys were acquainted with what we're going to talk about this morning, persecution. Paul was the chief persecutor of the church before he became a Christian. Did you know that? He was numero uno doing away with Christians, murdering Christians, making sure that they were put in jail because he truly believed, like a lot of people believe about Christianity today, that it was a bad thing. It was the end of the world. There were, it was a terrible thing, he thought, for, for Judaism. But God got a hold of his heart, and he totally did a 180. But he was acquainted with it then. Not, he became the chief persecutor to being probably one of the chief persecuted just by knowing Jesus, just by following Jesus. That's all it takes. That's the crime, following Jesus. But these three guys, this is where the letter came from, and it says, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, to be a Christian, you must be in Jesus. That's what the Bible says. You're not just a good person now with a bunch of good rules and regulations. To be in Christ means that Christ is in you. You're born again. You've confessed your sins. You've asked, you've recognized that you're a sinner. You can't save yourself. And you have fallen upon the mercy of God. And you've received the free gift of life that was provided for you on that Roman cross 2,000 years ago. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved or in Christ Jesus. Only one way to escape the judgment to come by being in Christ Jesus, according to the Bible. 
Verse 2 tells us, this is a very important point. Now, Paul uses this so many times in his greetings, in his letters, that we can tend to be, oh, it's like a dear so-and-so. Don't overlook this, what Paul is saying here. He's going to say it here. He's going to mention this word here in verse 2. He's going to mention it at the end of the chapter. We can't overlook this word. Listen, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And listen, grace can be defined as this. It's God's power. And I mean by this, let me give you an example, grace in action. Stephen, being stoned for his faith in the book of Acts, his crime was that he was a follower of Jesus. Death penalty. And the, and the death in those times was by stoning. A lot of stones in Israel. Still do have a lot of stones there. And not little, I don't know what you think of when you think of somebody being stoned. It takes a lot to kill somebody with little rocks. We're talking about good size like bricks. Something like a brick size. And what they would do, a crowd would come around you and just begin to pelt you until you died. A couple of head hits or whatever else. And then and it was it was terrible way to go. A horrible way. I can't even imagine what that would be like. But here is what happened when Stephen, the Bible says this, that as this was happening to him, by the way, he could have gotten out of this. He could have stopped the pelters by just renouncing Jesus. But he didn't. But he received God's grace there at the moment. And what Stephen saw, the very last things that he saw on earth, it says that he looked up to the heavens and he saw the heavens open. He saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father and he had this way about him. He had this, there was this love coming out of him. He's looking at his, the rock throwers and he's saying, like, don't hold this sin to their account. Boy, is that reminiscent of the cross or what? Because Christ experienced that. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Now, Stephen couldn't say what Jesus said or what was said about Jesus. What's said at the end of there in John 15, 25, they hated him without a cause. When you look at Jesus Christ, examine his life. I don't care who examines it, as long as it's examined it truthfully, you couldn't find anything wrong with him. Pontius Pilate examined, I don't see anything wrong with this guy. You could accuse him of anything but nothing would stick because the Son of God came to earth and he lived a sinless life. He's the only one that ever did that. And they, what do they do to him? You think, the, well, nobody's perfect. Oh, wait a minute now. That's not totally true. Jesus is perfect. And he walked the earth in a man's body. So to say nobody's perfect, that's really not true because Jesus is perfect. He was perfectly perfect when he walked the earth. He never did anything wrong. He never sinned. Yet look at his fate. Look how it ended up. You would think the person had never sinned, you would think, well, they should treat him very well. He should rise to a high place. Well, he did rise to a high place. He started off in a high place. You can't get any higher than he was. God. But the idea was they killed him. They hated him. Not everyone. But enough people hated him to put him on that cross and kill him. That was the treatment that he got. And he said, the one who was perfect, the one who said to his disciples, if it were not true, I would have told you. In other words, Hey, I'm going to let you know what's going on. And he said, they hated me, they're going to hate you. They persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. He's talking to those that would follow him after this. That's what they were experiencing in Thessalonica. And what Stephen experienced and what anybody that's under persecution can experience is the grace of God. 
the grace of God, the power of God to get through a circumstance, to get through a situation. And not just not just kind of like, you know, not feel anything until you die. I mean, you know, we have something called it's 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 part of our the way our body's made, shock. A body goes into shock, right? You've heard this. It's a very dangerous state to be in because you can die from it. But what happens is you don't feel pain. You don't feel pain. I've never been in shock, but I've read about it, heard about it. You don't experience pain. Now, I'm talking about something more than that. Just not being able to feel the rocks hit against you. I'm talking about having the presence of mind when you're being pelted with the rocks to care more about the people that are killing you than yourself that's being killed at that time for doing nothing wrong. But other than, you know, that's not, if you think about it, it's not right. It's not right that just somebody would hate you for just loving Jesus. After all, examine what a Christian's life should, I say should, look like. Exemplary citizens. Keeping the laws of the land. Paying their taxes. Why wouldn't you want a nation full of people like that? Good next door neighbors. Loving others as they love themselves. I mean, the perfect neighbor, right? You need a cup of sugar? Go next door. The Christian's got some. He'll give you some. Don't worry about paying me back. Just keep it. I mean, that's the heart of Jesus. Why wouldn't you want? It doesn't, it's not logical to think like, we got to get rid of those Christians. It's because there's a spiritual battle going on. It was going on in the first century. It's going on now. But you can have the grace of God in the persecution. It's a promise to the believer. Paul had it. As he, he had quite a life, Paul did. <laughs> he was a basket case at one time. Remember that? He was being persecuted, and they had to let him down off the wall in a big basket one time to escape his, for his life. It wasn't God's will that Paul would lose his life in that way at that time. Eventually, Paul got his head chopped off. But I can guarantee you 2 Timothy was his last letter. He was on death row. Historically, we know that Paul was waiting to, to die and that he ch- they get his head chopped off. And I can guarantee you, think of a guillotine and, or a guillotine, however you want to say it. You stick your head in there like this. You know, they use a sword and everything, but just waiting for the thing to come down. I mean, that was like, oh, come on. You know, it's like, it'd be crazy. How do you walk that last mile down to the... I'm going to tell you, you do it by God's grace. Read Fox's Book of Martyrs. Fox's Book of Martyrs. It talks about a group of people that were persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ. And they could have changed it. They just had to renounce Christ. No, I'm not a Christian. I'm not a Christian. That would have stopped their problem right there. But these people were burned at the stake. They even gave them different ways of dying. Some were burned at the stake, and they gave them a chance to say, I'm not a Christian. I'm not a Christian. But they wouldn't do it. The devil accuses, skin for skin, man will do anything to save his life. Oh, no, not if he's a Christian, he's under the grace of God. Because it's proven, these guys, they wouldn't do it. And as some of them were being burned at the stake, this is true history. They cared about the people that were doing it. They prayed for their persecutors as they were dying. Man, that's a witness. The Apostle Paul, before he was a Christian, was at Stephen stoning, it tells us there in the book of Acts. He was holding the clothes of the people that were stoning. You know, like, you know, we don't want to hinder you. Take your coat off, take your thing off there so you can sling those rocks a little better. Well, Paul was holding the clothes. Don't think that seeds weren't planted in his mind as he watched this man being killed for what Paul thought was an abomination in his mind. 
And he saw this man care about the crowd as he's taking these pelt, these stones. Man, that spoke something to him. Seeds that, that bore fruit later, by the way, in Paul's life. But grace, we need God's grace as we go through these things. We can, we can go through anything in life, whether your head's chopped off, whether, and I, I'm going to tell you, there are people dying for their faith today around the world. We're insulated from that in America. But it's happening. Look what it says. Verse 3 is going to tell us some results that happen as Christians suffer, as they go through persecution. And this will happen to you on a different level, probably at this point in time. Nevertheless, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly. And so note this, that through persecution and through enduring persecution, what's going to happen in your life? Your faith is going to grow exceedingly. Who doesn't need their faith to grow? And some of us pray, Lord, increase my faith. And you think, you know, things start to happen in your life and you want to, you know, be careful what you pray for kind of thing. No, don't be careful. That's a good prayer. And know this, that God allows things in our life persecutions. Jesus promised that there would be tribulations. And he tells us in James, he says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith, that's what it is, produces patience or perseverance. And let perseverance have its perfect work that you may be perfect, lacking nothing. See, God's doing a work through this whole process. What was happening at Thessalonica? Their faith was being increased. What's their faith? Their belief in God. They came to know God in a deeper way. Like Job. Like Job. The devil himself involved in that. At the end of all the testings that he had, the trials that he went through. And it says that he was a righteous man. It's not like he was reaping what he'd sown. The Bible says he's a righteous man. But at the end of that whole thing, Job said, I'd heard of you by the hearing of the ear. But now my eye sees you. And what Job was saying is that I know you in a deeper way now. Knowing God in a deeper way. His faith was increased. Yeah, our faith, no matter where you are in your faith, it can be increased. You want it to be increased. And one of the ways that it will be increased is by going through trials and tribulations, persecutions. So their faith was growing exceedingly. Second thing, verse 3. It says, and the love of every one of you all abounds towards each other. So the persecution, in that persecution, the church was drawing tighter together. They were a tighter unit. They were looking out for one another. They were loving one another even, even closer. That was the result of the persecution that was happening as they trusted God in the persecution. Well, that's all the time we have for today here on Anchored in the Word with Pastor Bill Beckelman of Calvary Chapel Coastlands. Don't forget to join us next time as we continue our verse-by-verse study through the book of 2 Thessalonians. If you've missed part of this message and would like to catch up or you'd like to hear it again, this message has been archived at our website at anchoredintheword.com. That's anchoredintheword.com. And if you'd like to continue studying with Pastor Bill as he teaches through the Bible at Calvary Chapel Coastlands, we have the entire library of his messages posted for listening and download. 
visit our website at anchoredintheword.com and connect with Calvary Chapel Coastlands for our online media library. We would love to hear from you. So if you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, please contact us. Our phone number is 732-544-2225. That's 732-544-2225. If you prefer to write, our address is 178 Main Street, Eatontown, New Jersey, 07724. Or email us at info at com. If you're in the Eatontown, New Jersey area and would like to visit us, we would love to meet you. Calvary Chapel Coast Lands is located at 178 Main Street, Highway 35 in Eatontown, New Jersey. Anchored in the Word is the radio ministry of Pastor Bill Beckelman of Calvary Chapel Coast Lands. We hope you will join us next time as we continue our study through the book of 2 Thessalonians. It's our prayer that you would be moored in sound doctrine and anchored in the Word.